God's good. In your Bibles tonight, Romans chapter number 15. Romans chapter number 15 and working our way through the book of Romans. And I'll say this about preaching through the book of Romans. This is the first time in all these years of preaching I've preached verse by verse through the book of Romans. And the truth is I always kind of dreaded it. And uh, I've been studying and preaching the book of Romans now for some time. And uh, I was right to dread it because it's a lot of work. Uh, but I was wrong to dread it because it is so rich and helpful. And I've so enjoyed preaching through the book of Romans. And it seems like uh, the Lord, very, in a very timely way, brings us the messages that we need when we need them right from his book. And I'm thankful for the living word of God. And I'm thankful to get to preach his word Tonight, Romans chapter 15, we'll pick up where we left off, verse number 13, and go through the end of the chapter. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, Able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory, through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey." And to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things... Their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen.
We come to the conclusion of chapter number 15, and really the Apostle Paul's wrapping up this letter to the church at Rome. All through the book of Romans, we see the Apostle Paul helping the church at Rome, which was a church that had a conglomeration of people who'd been saved. The Roman church had a number of Jewish believers, folks of a Jewish background, who had their connection to the synagogue and the Jews' religion. And then you had, on the other hand, the Gentiles who uh, had their background in paganism or, uh, or some other form other than Judaism. And so you had this meshing of two backgrounds around Christ, which was their, uh, their common ground, but there were battles and issues. And so all through the book of Romans, the Lord is using the Apostle Paul to help us and help the church at Rome to deal with the conflict between the faith practices of Jews and the faith practices of Gentiles, which are secondary to the actual doctrine of salvation, which the Apostle Paul is presenting. So the traditions of the Jews and the traditions of the Gentiles are a point of confliction. But the gospel is the common ground and is the place where there is unity and peace and there's such clarity as we study the book of Romans on what is the authentic Christianity and how to be right as opposed to how to be biased one way or the other. Uh, I want to be right with God. I want to do things God's way. And therefore we make the Bible our sole authority for faith and practice. And if the Bible's loud, we're loud. If the Bible's quiet, we're quiet. We want the Bible to be our authority and our foundation. And so the Apostle Paul's using God's Word to the book of Romans, to the people of Romans, to establish this and settle some issues. When we come to the conclusion of this passage of Scripture, he's just finished a lengthy portion of Scripture. We talked about these doubtful disputations, and he's trying to help them. Don't be fighting over these doubtful things. And then we looked last week at two words specifically, and especially the word bear and receive. And the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church at Rome to bear with one another and receive one another. Even in light of cultural differences, you receive and bear with one another in light of the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, all people, without exclusion. And so when we come to verse number 14, uh, the whole book of Romans is coming to a conclusion, and the entire book of, the book of Romans is something that the Apostle Paul is using to do what he's encouraging the church to do next. Read with me verse 14. He says, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. He says, here's my conclusion. He says, I've been admonishing you. I've been helping you. I've been talking to you. Have you noticed that a lot of the things that Paul dealt with in the book of Romans were very pointed and uh, convicting? The things that the Apostle Paul dealt with in the book of Romans were things that were uh, contrary to some of uh, the people that he was writing to's practices. He was admonishing them. He was trying to help them. He was giving them information that would be a blessing and help. And so when we come to this conclusion of the book, he says something that I think is very exciting. When I first read uh, verse 14, the Lord put in my mind this thought 
Paul thinks you can do this too. Paul thinks you've got this. Paul thinks you can do it. Paul thinks you can thrive. The Bible says in verse 14, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. That's tonight's message titled this, Able to Admonish One Another. Apostle Paul says, I've just finished talking to you about bearing and receiving. I've just finished talking to you and warning you about these doubtful disputations. I've just finished talking to you and warning you and preparing you uh, to know what is the real path to salvation and the ultimate purpose of Christ and how this conflict between Jew and Gentile is reconciled in the cross and Christ. And he says, and now comes the time that I'm going to sign off and end this note and leave you to act on what I've written you. And he says, church, I'm confident, I'm persuaded, my brethren, that you're full of goodness. He looks at the church, he says, look, when I think of the church at Rome, I think this is a group of people that have the goodness of God in their heart. You're full of goodness. He also says that you are filled with all knowledge. He says you know what to do now. You know the truth. I think you get it. And because of those two things, he says you are able also to admonish one another. He says just like I finished and just completed writing you this book, this letter, He says, I believe now that you're able to admonish others to do what I've admonished you to do. I want to put you into the admonishing business. And if I'm going to be in the admonishing business, I want to know what admonishing means, right? The word admonish means to warn and exhort. The word admonish is a very positive word, but it has a negative and positive Parts. It has the negative of warning. It, we could admonish someone not to cross the road during heavy traffic. Warning. Uh, you could actually get a uh, mama voice about you when the child is about to head towards the road and uh, admonish your child and scare them half to death because you screamed. <laughs> admonish. Uh, The word admonish, warning, it doesn't always come as a soft, tender word, but warning is something we do because in love we want to protect and help, warn. The word admonish means to warn, and it also means to exhort. The word exhort is a a pushy word. Uh, We exhort one another to do the right thing. To admonish means to warn and exhort. Admonish is not empty praise. Has anybody ever tried to encourage you with empty praise? They're like, you are the best that I've ever seen. Don't ever tell me that you're the, I'm the best you've ever seen because I know that's not true, and it is not going to encourage me. You are, and people mean well, don't, don't get me wrong. You, this is the best. You can tell your child, this is the best piece of artwork I've ever laid my eyes on. And immediately my alarm goes off. Liar, 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 liar. <laughs> or you, you try to encourage people. Sometimes, sometimes Christian people are guilty of lying in an effort to encourage. <laughs> Don't do that. Now, admonish is an encouraging thing. 
But it is not an empty praise. It is not words without truth. Matter of fact, admonishing is words and actions that are appropriate to help somebody. Words and actions appropriate to help somebody. And we should be admonishing Christians. Now there are times when there's no real good reason to say and speak up and say something that is truthful. If you know what you're going to say is going to devastate somebody, don't say it. But if there comes a time in the right setting when a reprimand or a rebuke or one of those things is appropriate, then that can be admonishing. We're to be admonishing Christians. We're to be the kind of people who say, use appropriate words and actions in order to help somebody. Here's how I like to look at the admonishing and the kind of Christian that I want to be. Tough if necessary. Tough if necessary. Some people want to be tough just for fun. Sometimes tough for fun is not fun at all and doesn't help the person you're trying to so-called help. We're to be tough if necessary and sweet if at all possible. I want to be tough if necessary and sweet if possible. And the Apostle Paul says, I've been admonishing you. And all through Paul's letters, if you study the epistles, you understand that Paul uses a tactic. He uses a praise sandwich. He'll say something nice like a piece of white bread. Then he'll give you the meat, which may be tough and then underneath that he'll end it with something that is positive like a piece of white bread it's a praise sandwich tough i'm sorry sweet tough sweet the praise sandwich and uh, but he admonishes it's his goal to help people to encourage people he doesn't just leave you bleeding and then leave you bleeding as a matter of fact he's just finished telling some very strong things and he says you know what guys in verse 14 i believe that you're full of goodness i believe that you are filled with knowledge i think you know what to do he says and because of that i want to challenge you to admonish one another you are able to admonish one another and i want to see you do it able to admonish one another when we come to this passage of Scripture, we, we conclude with, and we can look at, and I see three things here in light of this idea of being able to admonish. The first thing that Paul talks about, uh, or the next thing Paul talks about, is his ministering. And he goes, his admonishing is part of his ministry. It's what God's given him to do. And so if we're going to be admonishers, we're going to be ministering and ministering God's way. Verse 15, ministering. The Bible says in verse 15, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God. The first thing he wants to talk about is grace. Uh, and we'll see here in a minute that it's all about ministering. He's been ministering to the church at Rome through this letter. He's ministering. He's traveling. He's uh, moving from place to place, longing to get to Rome to greet the church. But he's ministering. And one of the things he's ministering is he's ministering with grace because of the grace that is given to me of God. Uh, he is a graceful man. If we're going to admonish people, we're going to have to admonish people in grace. I love the word grace. Uh, grace is... When we do get what we don't deserve, for by grace are you saved. I'm not 
I'm not, I don't deserve to be saved, but I'm saved of God's grace. And God extends his grace to us. Now, the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, everywhere he ministered, he was reminded of the grace that God extended him. We're talking about Saul of Tarsus here, who was a zealot in the Jews' religion, persecuting and literally murdering people who had put their faith and trust in Christ. But Jesus Christ, in grace, saved him on the Damascus Road and called him and uses him in a mighty way. And so all through the Apostle Paul's ministry, he is admonishing people, but his ministry is a ministry of grace. When it comes to dealing with people roughly, I'm going to do my dead-level best to err on the side of grace. And we should be gracious people. God has extended his grace to us. We should be gracious, graceful people. And he's thanking God for the grace that was given to him. Verse number 16. He says, grace that is given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He says, I believe God's extended grace to me so that I can be the minister of the gospel to the Gentiles. His, his next step in his ministering is the ministry of the gospel. Uh, he's telling the good news. He's presenting the truth that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. He is presenting the truth that uh, Jesus Christ is the Messiah sent from God to pay our debt. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He is the, he is the center of the gospel that Jesus Christ has come, Messiah, to pay our sin debt, to die on the cross, sinless, to be buried three days later, rise from the dead, literally, ascend into heaven, prepare a place for us, and we can trust him. He's preaching and teaching the gospel. His ministering is a gospel ministry. Folks, we should not be yearning in our souls to have ministries that are devoid of the gospel message, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that saves sinners from the condemnation of hell. We shouldn't be looking for a ministry that's devoid of that. As a matter of fact, if you leave the gospel message that sinners are going to hell, and the good news is Jesus paid the price for their sins so they can go to heaven and thrive in life, if you leave that out, all you've done is you've made a social club and maybe called it a church. And all you've done is made this wicked world a maybe a little better place from which to go to hell. And we not be guilty of that. And all through the Apostle Paul's ministry, if you're going to admonish, you're going to admonish the way we're called to admonish. That to admonish does not mean that you just pat people on the back and say, you're okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Hey, look, if you're not saved, it's not okay. If you're living in sin, it's not okay. Jesus Christ has made it possible that you can have victory. So the ministry of the Apostle Paul was not some cushy, soft, empty message. It was one of love and grace, but it was one that was rich in the gospel. May God help us to be like Paul. His ministering was of grace. It was of the gospel. The Bible continues in verse 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. The gospel of God. Now, this may seem simple to you, but I think it's quite fascinating that in verse number 16, the Trinity is very clearly uh, laid out here. Uh, in, ver- in the beginning of verse number 16, he says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. 
that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. You see that? And the Apostle Paul says, look, if we're going to minister, we can't leave God out. (laughs) I don't know how anyone can call himself a minister and be an atheist. But do you know that there's people who wear little white collars and black shirts and walk around with beads and crosses and they deny that God even exists and they call themselves ministers. Unfortunately, they've made this word minister one that has a bad taste in my mouth. I want to redeem it as we are to be ministering, serving, helping, ministering to one another, ministering to people in spiritual ways. But if we're going to minister, we can't leave God out. God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, because they all three work together in one. They're co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul says, look, I'm ministering in the name of Jesus, the gospel of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. His ministering was a Godward ministry. Now, God help us. We've got to keep God right in the center of it. We need him. Grace gospel god the bible continues here in verse number 17 i have therefore whereof i may glory through jesus christ in those things which pertain to god now i don't normally look for words that all start with the same letter but uh god put them here uh you see in verse number 17 i have therefore whereof i may glory the next thing he's working in is glorying, glory through Jesus Christ and those things which pertain to God. Now, this word glory, it has this idea of proud, you know, we're, we're proud of. And I don't use that phrase very often, like I, I want my children to know I'm proud of them in the right sense, but this whole pride thing is something that the Lord doesn't really love. But you can, there are things that you can glory in, you can be proud of. If you're going to be proud of something, be proud of Jesus Christ. We can glory in the cross. We can glory in Christ. We can glory in the faithfulness of God. And we can have this sense of I'm glorying in God. And he says, I'm glorying in God. He says, I'm glorying in the fact that we have the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father. I'm glorying in the power of God to change lives. He says, I'm glorying and I'm just so proud of what Jesus is able to do in the lives of sinners and glory. We glory in Jesus. And uh, if you want to uh, glory, it's I'm glory in Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul does this many times in his writings. One that came to mind that I love. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I, I like that phrase, I've fought a good fight. Paul never said he was a good fighter. He just said that the fight was good. He said the the work that he had enlisted in was good. He wasn't praising himself. He says, I'm not a good fighter. I'm just in a good fight. And when he comes here, he says, I'm determined to minister. And he says, I'm not really a good minister, but I'm glorying in Jesus because Jesus is a good minister. I get opportunity by grace to represent God and preach the gospel. And all glory be to Jesus, his ministering. He continues in verse 18, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things, which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word or deed. He says, I'm not going to tell you anything that I've not done, but he says in verse 19, but I will tell you this, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about, however you say that next word, I have fully preached the gospel 
of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. He says, he says I'm not going to tell you anything that's not happened, but he says, I'll just tell you something. God has done mighty things. God has done miraculous and mighty works. And I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel and preach it thoroughly. And I'm thankful. Something that was on Paul's heart in verse 20 was that he strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named. He says, my burden is to preach the gospel where uh, no one's heard of him before. Now, some people would take this verse and they would want to make a statement that sounds like this. A real missionary goes places where they've never heard the gospel. Now, I'll just have you know, that's something, that's a statement that's rooted in pride. Uh, as a matter of fact, if, uh, if that was the, the criteria for a quality ministry, uh, the ministry that God's given me and the ministry that God's given us would not be a quality ministry at all because there are very few people in Smith County who've never heard the name of Christ, but there are still a lot of people who need to get saved. And so it just so happens to be what God put in Paul's heart. And it reminds us that God designs us all differently and gives us all different motivation. Uh, and I'm thankful for the ministry that God's called me to. And you should thank God for the ministry he's called you to. And we're all uh, created for a purpose. And God has something that he wants all of us saved people to do for his glory. And in his honor and for eternity Paul says, what I'm called to do is I'm going where Jesus has never been preached. He says, and because God's called me not to lay it, not to build on another man's foundation. God's called me to reach a different place, different people. Verse 21, but as is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. And they that have not heard shall understand. He says, where I'm going, I've got the promise that God is going to give them understanding. They're going to respond to the gospel. Verse 22, for which cause also I've been much hindered from coming to you. But now having no more place in these parts, having a great desire these many years to come to you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. And you see over and over again, minister, 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 minister. The Apostle Paul, he says... We are to be in the admonishing ministry. He says, everywhere I'm going, I'm admonishing the lost to come to Christ. Wherever I'm going, I'm admonishing, admonishing the saved to be more like Jesus. Admonishing it. Our ministry is a ministry of admonishing. Uh, and that means we are working to build, to edify. We're working to encourage, to strengthen. We're not using empty praise, but we're using words and actions that are appropriate to help others. Tough if necessary. Sweet if possible, but admonishing. We admonish with our ministry. Number two, we admonish with our giving. In verse number uh, 25, the Bible says, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. One thing he's going to do when he goes to Jerusalem, we find in verse 26. Verse 26, he says, For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Now, this is so sweet. He's going to Jerusalem uh, where headquarters for Jesus Church is. It's not really, but that's the center. That's where it happened. Beginning, core. He says, I'm going to the church at Jerusalem. And what I'm doing when I get to the church at Jerusalem is I'm carrying 
an offering from the church at Macedonia and the church at Achaia, a contribution that they've put together for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Now, here's the interesting thing. The church at Macedonia, Gentile church. The church at Achaia, Gentile church. And so what you have is the gospel has done its work. The gospel has gone, has been taken to Macedonia. And in Macedonia, a group of Gentiles have heard the gospel. They've been saved. They've started a church. And because of Christ working inside of them, they have the desire and the burden to give. And they've heard that there are poor saints under the Roman persecution in Jerusalem. And they said, what we need to do is we need to take up some money and let's encourage them people. We're, we, we owe them a debt. We owe a debt to the church at Jerusalem because they've been used of God to send the message of Christ, our Jewish Savior, to Macedonia and Achaia. And the natural product of being saved and getting right with God was generosity to be a blessing. So the Apostle Paul says, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to Jerusalem. Now, Paul's experiences in Jerusalem is not always good. As a matter of fact, everybody was so scared of Saul of Tarsus after he got saved when God changed his name to Paul that nobody in the church of Jerusalem wanted anything to do with it because they thought he was playing a dirty trick. Finally, Barnabas said, hey, look, I'll go with you. And Barnabas spoke up for the Apostle Paul and they somewhat welcomed him into the church. And now Paul says, I know I'm going to be dealing with something tough because there's still a bunch of people in the church at Jerusalem are so hung up on the law and have failed to listen to the logic of the gospel and the fact that Jesus came to save the whole world and the Old Testament presented that the Gentiles would be saved and Gentiles would be part of our body. He said, but they're so stuck in their Judaism. He says, I know I've got an uphill battle, but I want you to know something. I'm going admonishing to Jerusalem and I'm going to be carrying an offering because part of admonishing is giving. Have you ever noticed that it's hard sometimes to invest in people's lives? I've often uh, equated trying to help people to trying to help a wounded animal. Uh, you try to help hurting people and you know what happens? If you're, you try your best to help, you have the greatest attention, but you do get bit the key is when you get bit, number one, don't bite back. When you get bit, don't bite back. And number two, don't quit. Just because you got bit doesn't mean they need, don't need help. As a matter of fact, it's more evidence of the fact that they do need help. Don't bite back. Don't quit. So the Apostle Paul says, we're going to give. We're going to give ourselves generously. We're going to give ourselves faithfully. We're going to admonish the church at Jerusalem. And it's really fun for me to see it. Faithful folks of the church at Jerusalem invest and send the gospel to the Romans. The church at Rome, I'm sorry, send the gospel to the church at Macedonia and Achaia. The church at the Macedonia and Achaia, they begin to thrive. And they, in turn, send blessing back to the church of Jerusalem. You know what's exciting to me? I've seen it happen on many occasions now in my short ministry. I've watched faithful missionaries, and I love missionaries. I love missionaries who are at work and doing the right thing. I've seen faithful missionaries go to the mission field, see people saved, churches planted, 
and indigenous local churches thriving in such a way that they're actually supporting missionaries to go back to places that they receive support from in the first place. And they're actually seeing, uh, they're, they're sending people to serve in places. And uh, I think it's wonderful. I know for a fact that there are foreign Christian churches that are sending missionaries to the United States of America. And that don't bother me at all. I'm thankful for it. Because we need all the help we can get. You know that the United States of America is the world's largest English-speaking mission field? And we're right in the middle of it. Now, we never forget that we have an opportunity to minister. We're ministers. We're givers. He said we're going to be able to admonish one another. We need to be ministering, giving, and finally praying. Actually, let me just read to you verse 28. The Bible says, When therefore I have performed this, he's taken the offering, and have sealed to them this fruit. He says, This is fruit that from the gospel. I will come to you. I'll come by you into Spain. He says, I'm coming to see you. Verse 29. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may not be delivered from them that do not, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. He says and gives us one more admonition and one more prayer. He says, here's what I want. He says, I pray that you'll strive together with me in your prayers. If we're going to admonish one another, we're going to do it through ministering, giving, and praying. Ministering, giving, and praying. And uh, this word strive, it literally means it's like wrestling. It's like wrestling. And we're to wrestle together. How many of you can identify with the fact that there's a lot of life that looks like a wrestling match? (laughs) We're wrestling together in prayer. We're striving together. Striving together for a common cause, praying. He says, you pray for me. Look what was on his heart. He says, you pray for me. You pray that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. He He says, there's a group of people who just don't believe. They don't believe the gospel. They don't believe in Christ Jesus. He said, you pray that I'll be delivered from the unbeliever. But look at the next statement. He says, and also you pray that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, the church of Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. He says, you pray that they understand what God has put in my heart to do. You pray they accept and understand what, I've, uh, what God has given me to do. You pray They accept and understand. I think that's so sweet. He says, pray for me. You know what? We admonish one another as we minister, give, and pray. The Apostle Paul is bringing this to a swift conclusion. One more chapter in the book of Romans. We meet up with several faithful people. And uh, God blesses. Do you know what? Paul says, hey, look. You are able to admonish. You are able to make a difference in other people's lives. And I wonder if you'll just determine to be that kind of person.